Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Pastor Cameron, glad to be here and continuing the Sermon on the Mount uh, series, which is uh, taking a verse-by-verse look through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and it's Jesus' vision statement for the kingdom. And so if you haven't been here for the previous episodes, um, it's Jesus uh, describing uh, the kingdom of, of God, and so we're hearing from the king what his kingdom is supposed to look like. So if you want to know what Jesus expects of his church, this is it. And um, uh, we're uh, actually getting near the end of it. <clears throat> Last time we spoke about anxiety and worry. This week we're going to talk about judging others. And so you can read along chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, reads like this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with, ju- with the... For what bah, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or why or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. <clears throat> Hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, Jesus actually has a pattern of teaching, and if you've been with us over the last, uh, uh, throughout the series, you may have noticed that he gives a lesson, he gives a, a, a sermon point, if you will, and then he follows it with several illustrations or examples. For example, when he talked about anxiety, don't be anxious, he followed it with the illustration of the birds in the air, the lilies in the field, and the idea that you can't add a cubit to your life. When he talked about laying up treasures or materialism, he followed it with the illustrations of the eye as a lamp of your body and serving two masters. So Jesus is actually a pretty good preacher. He uses uses illustrations. Yeah, he's amazing. Who would have thought? Uh, Today's lesson is the same thing. He's following a pattern. And so the lesson is judge not, that you be not judged. And he follows it with a couple of uh, examples or illustrations about how that uh, truth can be applied in, in, in our lives. And the first one is from the carpenter shop. You know, Jesus grew up. Uh, his father was a carpenter, <clears throat> and so he's familiar with that. Talking about a speck in your eye and a plank, and then an illustration involving dogs and swine. And verses 1 through 5 about judging are sometimes misused in our day to excuse all types of uh, lifestyle behavior um, because they're not seen in the context of uh, verse 6, which is part of the same discussion. Uh, it, it, Jesus was, it was actually teaching through and, and, and tying it together uh, helps understand the balance of the teaching. And so we're going to explore that. But first, let's look at verses 1 through 5 about judging uh, others. And so we understand that part as well. So it begins with, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. <clears throat> so the word judge that he's speaking about here it, uh, includes the idea of condemn. Uh, Jesus is referring to fault finding. 
Don't be someone who's fault-finding and having a condemnatory attitude, which too often is combined with a blindness to your own failings. Uh, I would say that was the, the basic understanding and application or the straightforward understanding what Jesus is talking about. The Life Application Bible uh, comments on this passage uh, by stating that Jesus' statement, do not judge, is, the, is against the kind of hypocritical, judgmental attitude that tears others down in order to build oneself up. It's not a blanket statement against all critical thinking, but a call to be discerning rather than negative. And I would challenge you to expand this <clears throat> a little bit in that... Um, He's, he's forbidding a judgmental attitude that tears others down in order to build oneself up. It could also apply to one's group, okay, or one's politic, uh, a particular point of view or political point of view. All right, that if you tear the opposition down, that doesn't make your position stronger. Understand? It doesn't make you more right by tearing down or exposing what is wrong in other people. And this is what Jesus is clearly uh, commanding us not to do. And so it's not a, a blanket statement that says you're not to judge things. You're not to have uh, the ability to critically think. And by critical think, it's not being critical, but it's being able to analyze and determine right from wrong. And I like how the uh, Life Application Bible says it's a call to be discerning, having good discerning, discernment, but not being negative. You know, sometimes you can talk with someone that you actually agree with, but they're so negative, you know, you can't like their post on Facebook <laughs> because they say it in such a negative way. Oh my God, you got to be nicer. <laughs> you know, why is it coming across with, with, with claws? You know, like ripping accusation that that doesn't help it doesn't help anything so um, this truth works out uh, on a natural level how you treat others uh, will affect how you treat uh, how they treat you so if you're judgmental and critical guess what Jesus says that's going to come back the measure that you use will be the measure used to you uh, and, and you can interpret that and in saying well the measure you use is how God's going to judge you or you can interpret that the measure you use is how people will uh, uh, treat you in return both of those are are true <clears throat> in, in different ways but what I want to focus on and kind of take this to a little deeper level and what I think is a more um, important level or a relevant level uh, uh, an aspect of this that everyone in this room deals with whether you're aware of it or not is the, the powerful spiritual dynamic that's at play when in, in the area or the issue of judgments. Okay, uh, Judgments release a powerful spiritual dynamic. A personal judgment against someone uh, often causes a spiritual reciprocal effect. Okay, and This idea of a reciprocal effect is like a bounce back. And so if you have a judgment, <clears throat> if you've passed judgment in your heart against someone... Uh, it will bounce back into your life uh, in different situations. Uh, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more. And so personal judgments come... Um, I'll give you a few examples. Let's say you judge your mother as controlling. Sorry, moms. Sorry to pick on you. 
<clears throat> my mom actually wasn't very controlling if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> this is just an example. Uh, uh, but, you know, moms are supposed to be kind of controlling. They're, they're, they're responsible for raising and then they have to tell the kids what to do, when to do it, and you'd think the kids would learn, you know. It's 9 o'clock every night. At 9 o'clock it's bedtime, you know. Why do I have to tell you again? <laughs> but you have to tell them again. Uh, and, and so even a mom or a parent that is not necessarily controlling, it can come across that way. And maybe in your heart, or, or and then often because we're broken people, uh, maybe maybe some of them do get they 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 get controlling. Uh, maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's out of concern. Whatever. Uh, and, they, and and if you judge your mother. Uh, and um, and so you pass judgment. And, and, and one person explained it this way: it's it's not judging their behavior, but you kind of pass a judgment on their person, their identity, and not what they do, but who they are. Uh, and 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 you don't see them as as a person that has an issue, but you just see them as oh, they're just controlling and mean. What happens is it opens a door in your life to a spiritual to control issues. Okay. All of a sudden, if you pass judgment, this is just one example, uh, then you open opportunity for control issues to, to pop up in your life in other places. You may end up being controlling when you have kids. Or maybe even not when you have kids. Maybe it'll, take, maybe it'll, it'll express itself uh, in the workplace. If you're in authority or maybe you're a teacher, you'll end up being hyper-controlled, micromanagement. And you get personally upset when people don't follow all the rules. And all of a sudden, you're agitated because you're controlling or they're agitated because you're constantly harping on things. And the root of that is often rooted in something in your past that you've passed a judgment. But you're not even aware of it. Does this make sense? It reproduces. You're reaping what you sow. Or the measure that you use is being measured back to you. Okay, another, or another way that this can manifest <clears throat> is that other mother figures or authority figures in your life may end up having control over you. So maybe you're not, maybe the, the reaction or the spiritual reciprocal effect is not that you're controlling, but you constantly throughout life find yourself in situations where people are controlling you. People are always controlling me. People are always, I always feel under the gun. Uh, why is it everywhere? Every every boss I get, they're uh, they're constantly on my case about this and that. <clears throat> and uh, you know, hopefully, and what happens, and I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this in many many people's lives. If, if that happens, and you get with a good counselor that knows what's going on, they'll say, "Well, when was the first time you experienced that?" And you think about it, and you go, "Wow, well, my mom was always that way. Well, how did that make you feel? I felt like she was always controlling. Have you forgiven them?" Wow, no, and you lead them in forgiveness. I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> so that, that, re, that, that causes that reciprocal effect to build. Now here's another example. Say you judge your father because uh, your father promised you something and didn't fulfill it. You know, and dads want to promise everything. It's in our heart. We want to give everything to our kids, but sometimes we can't. And maybe with the best intentions, uh, we, we forget to do something and it hurts uh, a child's heart. And we don't even know it. <clears throat> or sometimes some parents, some dads are just, uh, you know, just not good at keeping their word. And again, you can, uh, a child can then form a judgment in their heart. It's usually not something that you do consciously. It's something that happens almost unconsciously. Where you, you, you get to the place where you think all men are untrustworthy. And this can be whether you're male or female. It happens in both genders. 
Uh, and, and in doing that, you actually, by having that, all men are untrustworthy. You know what happens? You actually can attract uh, untrustworthy people. Because you, you have that on your radar. Alright? And, and so friends that you make, if you're a guy, can be, they end up being not trustworthy. Or if you're a girl, you get into relationships with people that break your heart over and over again. Uh, or you're highly sensitive. Uh, when, 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 when anything happens, when people break their word, you're really sensitive to that. Well, the root of that is often a judgment in your heart. Um, and even if a person <clears throat> is trustworthy, you end up interpreting their behavior through that lens of judgment. All right? So even if they're like just a generally a really good person, and you know everybody you know has mistakes, they might say something, or you would hear something, but end up misinterpreting it and thinking that they're untrustworthy. And what you're actually doing is projecting your problem, your fault, onto them. Does this make sense? All right? And when you do that, then it causes, it reinforces that judgment in your heart, reinforces your sensitivity to it, and so that you're trapped in this cycle of constantly experiencing the same pain over and over again that's actually rooted somewhere else. <clears throat> so every one of us, let me just give you a hint here, a clue to, to that one of the secrets of having a successful life. <laughs> is to realize that you have judgments. Alright? And if you think you don't, you can just write that down as one of the judgments you have. <laughs> Alright? Because you have them. Uh, it's just part of life. Our race, <clears throat> our economic status, our age, personality types, all of these things. Racism is just basically judgmentalism uh, toward a whole ethnicity. All right, economic. If 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 you have difficulty with people, whether they're rich or wealthier than you, poorer than you, it doesn't really matter. If something in you, it, it just it, it. We're conditioned by all of these things to react to people of different races, different economic statuses, different ages, different personality types. We react to them based on judgments that we've made and experiences we've had in our past. And so maybe you were hurt by someone who was really extroverted and outspoken. And so you, you kind of fall into this, this uh, uh, pattern that when you get around extroverted people, you, you have your guard up. And so every time they act extroverted <laughs> it just reinforces that hurt or maybe you were uh, 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 offended or hurt by someone who is an introvert and so you just don't trust those people that are quiet because you just never know what they're thinking <laughs> you know and you have these things that are going on in your head or same thing with race or economic side. our impressions of others are colored by our judgments and uh, we have made toward people in our past and cultural influences. Now let me talk just for a second about cultural influences. And this is one of the things I, I wish I could uh, communicate adequately the importance of understanding your, the, the influence of culture in your life. So much of what you think is you is not you. I would love to have a, uh, read a study. I'm sure someone studied about how much of what you think is you yeah. isn't really you. Yeah. All right. So let me give you an example. 
<coughs> most of us were, grew up here speaking English. And when you l learn how to speak English, you form thoughts and you order them in a particular way because our language is structured. And we have certain words that describe certain uh, things. And so that, that language forms, actually influences significantly the way we think. We think of words and ideas in a particular order that another language actually thinks of them in another order. And so I find this when I travel in other countries. In some languages, you can't say two words and have them translate. They say you have to say the whole sentence because you have to rearrange the words. You know, One example in Japanese, I was thinking, uh, they don't have a word for brother or sister. If you say my brother, and they say, well, was he older brother or younger brother? It doesn't matter. It's just my brother. No, it matters because there's no word for brother. There's a word for older brother and younger brother. You know? And we're like, wow, that's kind of weird. We have a word for just brother. All right? So even that, the way you think is shaped by your culture. How much more? All of the different things that of our lives are shaped by our culture. And, you know, those are part of our physical body. Those are, that's a part of our physical nature. You all have a physical nature, right? Are you sure? Everybody has a physical body? Please raise your hand. That's Twenty percent of you raise your hand. The rest of you are they're just spirits. <laughs> well, we all have a spiritual body. We all have a spirit within. Okay? And that spirit is actually the more important part. It's the eternal part. Our body will die and disintegrate. And we'll be given a new body when Jesus returns, but our spirit remains. And so Jesus is talking about how to cultivate a, a, a life that's free from uh, the judgmentalism that is, is formed just by our earthly life. Does this make any sense? <clears throat> and how to respond spiritually. And, and judgments affect our spirit. All right, and, and, and stepping back from our cultural influences and our upbringing and re recognize how we respond to people uh, based on spiritual truth and not just past hurts. So all offenses, another thing, uh, <clears throat> every time you've been hurt by someone, it automatically creates in you a judgment. That's just a natural uh, defense mechanism. And it's not necessarily wrong or bad, it just is true. And so if, if Dan says something and hurts my feeling, the next time I see Dan, I'm going to be on guard. <clears throat> so maybe he said something and hurt my feeling, but he didn't even mean to hurt my feeling. I just, it was perceived, he said something that triggered something in me. And so Dan is completely innocent, it still hurt my feeling, and that hurt is valid. My hurt is valid, even though he was innocent. And so I have to understand, wow, uh, uh, and then, then how I treat him is based on that hurt within me. Okay? So that's an offense that creates a judgment. And I might say, you know, you know, every guy that wants to hug you, you've got to be careful. Because <laughs> Dan likes to hug everybody. You know, that's a judgment that you then generalize and it sets up uh, uh, something that's unhealthy in you. Now listen, forgiveness breaks the power of judgments. Yeah. Hallelujah. Forgiveness breaks the power of judgments. And you forgive something, but there's another step. Renouncing it, which is confessing aloud forgiveness and breaking agreement with the judgment brings freedom. Okay, so the power can be broken, but to step into full freedom, you need to renounce it. And by renouncing, it means saying it aloud. Saying out loud. It can even be, it doesn't have to be with someone. You can do it uh, alone in your room. Or out on a walk. If you identify something like this in your life, forgiving the person and then renouncing it aloud breaks uh, the power of it. And a couple of things. 
uh, about this, uh, the reason it's so important to say it out loud, is that you can think any number of thoughts in your mind, but you're not held accountable to those. But if you say something, you're accountable to your word. Right? You're accountable to your word. God's going to hold you accountable to every word that you say. Um, uh, And so words have greater authority than just thoughts. And so when you say it aloud, it has more power. It has more spiritual impact. So it's very important when you, when you deal with it. You can forgive someone in your heart, but you need to confess, I forgive my father for doing this, or I forgive my mother, and I release them from this judgment. And so you're confessing the judgment that you had, and you're renouncing. I break agreement with that judgment. It no longer has power in my life. Boom! You can step into it. Sometimes you have to do it multiple times because uh, it comes back on you. <clears throat> Alright, if you have a personality conflict in your life, nobody here, <clears throat> I know all of you guys are just perfect people, you don't have any conflicts in your life, but if you have a personality conflict, or another way that this manifests is an ongoing disappointment in any area of your life. Now some people have ongoing disappointment in a particular relationship, some people just have ongoing disappointment, and it breaks my heart, and I think it breaks the heart of the Father, that people live their whole life in disappointment. You know, God doesn't want any area of your life to be disappointing. He doesn't. He, he loves you. He wants your whole life to be full with, filled with joy. But if you have judgment in your life, you're going to have personality conflicts and you're going to have disappointments. Those, these are evidences of judgments. And so assume, everyone say assume. Okay, assume that there's a judgment in your heart that you need to find it. You need to uncover it. And then you need to uh, uh, renounce that and forgive the person and get to the root of that. Because those are symptoms that reveal uh, uh, a judgment. I'm going to quickly share something, an example. And this is a judgment I had against myself. So this is a safe one. Um, When I was young... I had, uh, I grew up way out in the country. There was only um, uh, one other house uh, close enough within walking distance of where I lived. And thankfully, they had a, a boy my age. <clears throat> and so I had a friend. And my three older brothers were all closer in age. And so they were their own friends. And they kind of picked on me because I was your younger brother. And it's okay. We've worked it out. We all love each other now. <laughs> uh, but I had Marky. And Marky was my best friend. We played every day. <clears throat> Until, I don't know, it was in middle school, uh, he moved away. And so we knew he was moving away, his house was up for sale, and I was going through that, uh, you know, sorting out what's, what's life going to be without a friend. And uh, my, uh, my siblings and my parents, I'm sure they did it in the best of heart, but they said things that kind of like, well, you know, it's probably best that they're moving you know, it's not, it's not that bad. And they were poorer than us. Uh, they, they always, their yard was always filled with junk, you know, because uh, um, the guy was a, a gearhead. And he always had cool cars. But he always had a lot of broken cars, <laughs> you know. Um, and there was other issues. And so, uh, and, and I felt in the, in, the, in the time 
I felt like I had to make a choice because my parents and my siblings were trying to make me feel happy even though I was sad and I felt like if I'm sad then I'm, I'm siding with Marky and not my friend, my family. And so it felt like I had to choose between my family or Marky. And what I did, I remember clearly uh, uh, one time as he was about to move I actually was mean to him. I said, I'm actually glad you're moving away and you know, there was just some cutting remarks and that was my way of dealing with the pain. Um, and later I regretted that but you know as a kid I didn't know what to do <clears throat> well life goes on and I forgot about it um, but in my heart I judged myself in that I wasn't a good friend All right? and, and, and over the years I, I, in different relationships I always limited how close someone could get into my life because I judged myself that I'm not a good friend Right? And then it was about 15 years ago, I was right in this building, I was alone praying, seeking God, spending a few hours alone with Him. And God brought that memory back. And, and, he, and it showed that my current relationships with people are limited. The level of intimacy I can have is limited. Not because of anything in there. It's because of this judgment that I had passed against myself, that I'm not a good friend. And so I keep people at a distance. And I had totally forgotten that memory. It was totally gone. And boom, right back there, I was like, I remembered it all. And I was like, wow, I'm weeping. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, and, you know, and I expressed the grief of losing a friend. And I, I prayed forgiveness. I forgave myself, which is the biggest one. I forgave my brothers uh, who, who did, and my parents. And I, I just, I didn't, I never talked to my, you know, if my mom's listening to the podcast, Mom, I love you. <laughs> um, I never talked to my family about it because it was all in me. And, and that changed something in me. Uh, and I realized, like, if, if I'm your friend, I'm probably the best friend you'll ever have. And I can say that with total confidence because it changed how I see myself. And it changed how people treat me because I treat them differently. Is that good? Okay. <clears throat> so here's the illustration. Took all that to uh, talk about the point. Now I've got five minutes to talk about the illustration. Okay. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or why do you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your own eye and look, a plank is in, uh, in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus uses this exaggerated illustration uh, to communicate the ridiculousness of walking up to someone who's got a speck in his eye, and you've got a plank sticking out of your eye, and you go, hey Dan, you got a little speck there, let me come and help uh, <coughs> to help you with that, you know? And it's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I bet, you know, we don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Jesus worked around wood. He was a carpenter. There probably was a big stick and he picked it up. And it's an exaggerated illustration that communicates, hey, that's just ridiculous. But there's more to this. It says, in your brother's eye. And so in this is implied a closeness or familiarity of relationship. And so it's talking about when you're interacting uh, in interpersonal relationships, you have to understand this principle that if you have uh, a plank in your eye, you're not going to be helpful. Uh, 
uh, with someone else that has a speck. And you have to be aware of what's going on in your life. It's not addressing this verse about not judging. is not talking about critical thinking or discerning right or wrong or being able to say this type of lifestyle is wrong. So we're not being judgmental. We're not judging people by understanding the consequences of a, a certain lifestyle. Jesus here is talking about <clears throat> when you're interacting with people and a pick particularly people that you have relationship. Uh, also, we learn from this passage that it doesn't deny the fact that there's actually a speck in the brother's eye. Alright? There's actually something wrong <coughs> uh, with the brother. And so, um, here's what the commentator says. says Francis says, it indicates that there is in fact a fault in the brother. The hypocrite's error is not in his diagnosis, but in his failure to apply to himself the criticism he so meticulously applies to his brother. So this is the problem that people have when you make a judgment. Is that you actually are seeing something wrong in your brother. And you really want to help. Okay? But in doing so, and you actually hurt them more because you have this stinking plank sticking out of your head. And when you get close to them, you just bang them. Alright? But when you, when someone tries to communicate, hey, you're hitting people on the head with it, and, and you go, no, you don't understand. I'm seeing something that's accurate. And the thing is, the truth is, yes, you are seeing something that's accurate. You're seeing a speck in your brother's eye. So people with judgment, if you have a judgment in your heart, it's very difficult to understand that the fact that what you're, what you've judged may be factually true. But your error in being critical and judgmental and not realizing the plank that you have is that that's actually worse than the problem that you're reacting to. And is more harmful or hurtful. And it's preventing you from helping them. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Alright? And so, uh, basically, you have to deal with your issues before you're able to help other people. You know, from personal experience, <clears throat> um, a, a speck that's in my eye that, I, that I'm aware of feels like a plank. Have you ever had something in your eye? Come on. You know, and there's this tiny little thing, but my goodness, man, life comes to a stop. You're like, you can't, you know, you're going to the bathroom, you can't do anything because there's this tiny little thing in your eye. <clears throat> well, if you had a plank in your eye, literally, and knew it, you would do something about it. Okay? So, this planks, these are things that we're not aware of. Right? The problem with the blind spot is that you can't see it. All right. The problem with judgments against others and personal faults are often in our blind spot. We don't see, we don't see this plank, and we keep walking around slapping people. Okay, walking through life slapping. It's just I don't understand why nobody listens to me. <clears throat> I don't understand, you know, why people won't get close to me. I don't understand why they don't hear what, I, what I'm saying is true. Bam, bam. You know? <clears throat> and so you keep hurting more and more people because of this plank. It, and so the, you don't see it, but the way it manifests itself is that it affects the relationships in your lives. 
And this is why God's called us to live in community. So that our personal blind spots are exposed and we can find healing. All right? I really believe that it's in community. All right? Um, <clears throat> when you're living in community, someone is going to set you down. Now see, if you jump from church to church, you can walk into a church with your plank and go, bam, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong, bam, 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 bam. Well, that church, they don't receive me. They don't understand anything. They go to another church and, you know, <clears throat> oh, I love the worship here, Pastor, it's really great, but bam, you know, bam. <laughs> and, and after a few weeks, you're gone, or a few months, or maybe a year, you're gone because they don't, and because you're walking around with a big plank here. But if you're in community where, where you have enough relationship that eventually someone will set you down and say, oh, listen, I need to talk to you. <clears throat> okay? Because when you, <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, when you have this issue, we'll, uh, yeah, it's exactly what just happened right there. Now, can we talk about that? Just a minute. I caught it right there, yeah. And then you say, Let, let's, let's deal with that plank. But, and you know, but, but it's all about the specs. No, we understand those specs, yeah. But you get a plank. Does that make sense? <clears throat> all right. So, and then another thing is that Jesus says, then you will clearly, you'll see clearly to remove the specs from your brother's eyes. So the purpose is actually. Jesus is trying to get us to be able to remove specks. So this is intimate community. We're in a Christ-centered community, in a faith-based in the kingdom of God, we should be able to come up having our plank removed. I can help Dan with the speck, and he can trust me. And that's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus has been talking about. Okay, got to get to the second illustration. I'm going to try to make this quick because this ties in. It's really important. Don't give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine. At least they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Most people skip over that verse because they don't know what it means. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? Um, I'm going to try to tie this in. and I think it provides uh, an important balance to the whole issue of being judge- of judging and relating in community. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Living in community. Um, It doesn't seem to fit, but if we take it in the context of the pattern of Jesus' teaching, and we read this as part of the same lesson, it it reveals an important part. When Jesus talks about people, He's referring to people or people groups as dogs and swine. Do you think He's violating His own commandment of judging them? Is Jesus violating his own command? What he just said, don't judge. And then he says, don't throw what's holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. He wasn't talking about actual dogs or swine. He's talking about people. He's talking about living in community. He says, hey, you got to be careful. <clears throat> How about when he clearly exposed all the way through most of this sermon, he's talking about the Pharisees and calling them hypocrites. When Jesus was calling them hypocrites, was he being judgmental? Have you ever been, you know, accused of being a hypocrite and that you're judgmental by someone who's being judgmental about you? Right? If you if you express your opinion about a particular lifestyle or something, they say you can't judge. Well, you're judging me for being judgmental. (laughs) So apparently, judging is okay. Right? There's a right place of judging. Okay? So Jesus is not violating his own command when he calls hypocrites hypocrites. Or when he calls dogs dogs or swine swine. But Jesus is the perfect example of mercy and truth combined. 
Alright? In this verse, I think Jesus is giving a balance to the the, uh, idea of the truth about uh, judging. And the question that gets to the root of this is that you have to ask yourself, what is Jesus referring to when He talks about what is holy? And when He talks about your pearls? What in the context of His discussion is He referring to? Don't throw what is holy to the dogs. Don't throw your pearls to the swine, to the pigs. What's he talking about? Well, I would propose to you that what he's talking about is the community, the kingdom life, our brotherhood, the interpersonal relationship, what he actually has been talking about all along through the Sermon on the Mount. Don't throw this intimate relationship of trust and, and how we can learn how to remove specks and planks, don't just throw it into a pack of dogs or into a pigsty. <clears throat> All right? Uh, it's a community where uh, both your planks and your specks can be dealt with in healthy, helpful ways. There can be repentance and forgiveness and healing. That's what's holy. That's what's valuable. That's what he's been talking about the whole time, building the kingdom of God. And the, the opposite happens. The opposite of healing and helpful and healthy happens when there isn't community. Okay? Jesus is telling us this type of behavior, this type being uh, 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 dealing with specks and planks, doesn't work in a pack of dogs. Right? If you're in a community that functions like a dog, a pack of dogs, they're going to rip you apart. You know, if you go into a pack of dogs, <clears throat> a wild pack of dogs, unless you're the dog whisperer guy, okay, <clears throat> and you try to tell the alpha dog to behave and quit being so mean, but they're just going to rip you apart. Right? <clears throat> or if you fall into a pigsty, remember, remember the Wizard of Oz and she fell into the pigsty and they were all afraid because she was going to get killed? Do you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I was down in Vandalia. They actually raised pigs down there. I was talking to them how big they can get. So one girl was saying the pig at the, sty- at the fair was 1,700 pounds. <laughs> you get a couple of thousand pounds. Another guy said, well, they usually sell them when they get to 300 pounds. Okay, so you get 40 pigs, 300 to 1,700 pounds into a, into a, in a, a gated area and, a, and a, a, a kid falls in there. How long do you think they're going to last? Those pigs aren't even going to notice. Squish. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> and so what he's talking about is that the community that you're in, if the society that you're in functions like a pack of dogs where the alpha dog is the dominant or like a, a, a sty of pigs where people are just living in their own filth, this doesn't work. They're going to turn and rip you apart. Okay? <clears throat> uh, so Jesus is not being judgmental by describing people or, or lifestyles that way any more than he was being uh, judgmental when he called the hypocrites, uh, the Pharisees hypocrites. <clears throat> He's speaking uh, that uh, the truth, the, uh, the, uh, the truth can be communicated either out of judgmentalism or it can come out of love. And Jesus constantly challenged people about the sin in their life. But He did it in a way that drew sinners to Him. So there was a way that He communicated it that wasn't judgmental, but it was full of truth. All right? And that's what we're called to do. is We're called to be like Christ. Speak the truth in love. 
And so <clears throat> I want to get <clears throat> in a pack of dogs or a pig's eye. I already said that. They're going to tear you to pieces. Um, uh, and that's why people that live in, 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 in communities or they see, uh, they see life, uh, they see their worldview is more uh, patterned after a, a pigsty or a dog pack, they use the term don't judge as an excuse for whatever behavior they want to indulge in. All right? And I believe Jesus is warning us not to engage with a pack of dogs in this way. Don't jump into a pigsty and try to move either a plank or a speck. Right? Instead, build a relationship with an individual. Don't take on the whole pack of dogs. Let's see if you can get one of the dogs to come and uh, eat the food that you're eating. And when that dog finds out, that the food that you're eating tastes better than the food that the dog pack has, right? Are you understanding? And invite them in to a relationship in a community that's based on kingdom principles, all right? Uh, instead of just uh, trying to force kingdom principles onto a community that don't, does not believe in principles whatsoever. You can read the same... Uh, I'm not going to do it now because I'm over time. But 2 Peter 2, 17-22 uses the same reference to pigs and dogs and I encourage you to read that. But the conclusion is, Jesus commands us not to judge, but to live in a spiritual community where our specks and planks can be dealt with uh, and, and we can live free. And He warns us, He warns us in this context that we're living in a world that's filled with dog packs and pigsties, okay, and hypocrites. And that we're to be lights. We're to be a community, a kingdom that functions differently, that's safe. All right? Amen. We have some announcements. God bless you all.